listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you on this New Year's Eve Eve. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We've decided to graciously give Bill the weekend off, and he is out uh, at the beach, at the coast actually, enjoying his New Year's celebration there. So uh, what we've done is we put together a great show today, uh, some tips from Bill all about Social Security, long-term care benefits, things you need to know there, and also Bill's going to share some very, very good tips for making financial decisions, things you need to keep in mind to make sure that you're making the best decisions for yourself and for your family. We've got all that coming up. Stick around, and don't forget, next week we'll be talking all about Bill's free seminar coming up. It's great advice for you about long-term care that you can't find anywhere else. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy this episode of Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Again, you can always find information about him at WGALaw.com. Bill, you've sort of been perusing some publications, and you found some things that well, kind of well, I have line up with what we've been talking I, about. Yes. Well, the first thing that you should do today is wish me happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, well, Bill! It's not today, okay? But uh, on Monday, I, I, October the sixteenth, I turned sixty-six. Well, happy birthday, and Bill! I, so, I should have had that written down somewhere. Uh, well, I would, I, I would. Um, uh, like to still think I'm young uh, and uh, and the like, but uh, any any 20-year-old would call me a senior citizen for sure. Uh, it's all about perspective. That's right. <laughs> but but 66 is actually um, it, it is an important year, uh, particularly for those folks who are close to my age, because uh, it is the time. Uh, in terms of our Social Security elections, that we are at full retirement age. Now, for those a little bit younger, uh, the the full retirement age is changing. And so for for those um, who are born in the late 50s, uh, uh, their full retirement age will be 67. So they'll... Uh, and, Full retirement age is actually a very, very important thing for folks to understand because um, you can take Social Security as early as 62. Uh, In fact, widows and widowers um, generally can take their Social Security even earlier at age 60. Mm. Um, But but whether you're taking it at age 60 or 62 or 63, anytime someone elects Social Security prior to the full retirement age, which is now 66, they're taking a huge penalty. And, and that, that's something that, that a lot of times they don't tell you. And, and for the folks who've been listening for the last few years, I guess, they know that what I say about Social Security is that if you're in good health uh, and you're not starving, (laughs) both of those things being important. Pretty important, I'd say. You should delay receiving Social Security until actually age 70, but never before full retirement age. Um, you know, if you're if you still have if you're still working, 
then it's clearly a no-brainer. Or if you, let's say you retired as a state or federal employee uh, or you're a military retiree and you have a pension, so you have income without Social Security, again, you should delay at least until full retirement age. And, um, I mean, for me personally, if I had taken Social Security at age 62, because it's always good for folks to really, not just to hear it, but to understand how it really affects people. Uh, And um, so for me personally, if I had taken Social Security at age 62, not including the fact that I'm still working Mm -hmm. uh, and have pretty good income, uh, my Social Security check would have been uh, in the neighborhood of $1,500. Okay, not terrible, but not great. Well, if I take Social Security uh, this month, if I started this month, which I do not intend to do because uh, I don't need the money uh, right now, um, my Social Security check would be close to $2,500 or maybe a little more than $2,500. I can't remember the exact amount, but in round numbers, $2,500. Now, if I wait to age 70, four years from now, my Social Security check will be almost $3,500. So that's almost a $2,000 difference between being penalized Mm -hmm. and taking the full retirement. Now, what are some of the other advantages? Well, if I um, wait until 70, then all of my cost of living increases after I start drawing will be about uh, 32% higher than if I had taken it 66. So it's not only that I'm starting out at a higher amount. Every year, the Social Security guarantees me an 8% increase. So over four years, that's 32%. So almost one-third more in all of the... In other words, for every increase, I'll get a third more for every increase Mm -hmm. than when I'm 66. And so it'll take me about 12 years of receiving Social Security benefits to make up for what I did not receive from 66 to 70. But guess what? My life expectancy is longer than 82. You know, I expect to live past 82. So if if my statistics are right, and of course, as, as unique human beings, statistics are just just that. <laughs> but the bottom line is I will receive far more money over the years. Plus, my spouse, upon my death, assuming that she lives past me, will receive a much higher Social Security check because of my delay as well. So both of those facts are important. Now, the uh, you know, I told you about that I've been, re- you know, I always read a lot of good stuff. And in the AARP magazine, and, and it's not because I'm 66 that I receive it. <laughs> Actually, I started, I mean, one of the most offensive things that happens to us is when you turn 50, uh-huh. you get solicited to join AARP. Now, is that, I mean, at 50, you're still young, 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 young. So it's sort of like, <laughs> it's like, what? I'm getting an AARP, you know, membership? It's a slap Come in on. the face. That's exactly right. So now, But see, now it's appropriate that I get the AARP magazine. <laughs> and actually, there's some really good stuff in there. But 
under your money, financially speaking, uh, Jane Bryant Quinn, who writes for them, basically says the same thing. Do not rush Social Security. If you can afford to wait, wait. It makes all the difference in the world. So, um, and what, what they did was they did a study that if you took your Social Security early and didn't spend it, but simply invested it, you would still make more money with Social Security by delay. So, I mean— Interesting. Now, truthfully, why would you take Social Security early if you didn't need it? Right. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. But the truth is, there are a lot of people who do that because they think Social Security is going broke and they better get it while they can. <laughs> <laughs> so— uh, but but the bottom line is is that now there are some other tricks that a lot of folks don't realize. Now, in my household, um, my wife and I are the same age, and so now she because she wants the money. I have I did convince her to wait until age sixty six. Uh, thank the Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, and, and so she accommodated me on that, but she is she's taking her Social Security this year. Actually, she wait she waited for me to turn sixty six. Although she she's got me by a few months, and so um, uh, now because she is taking Social Security at sixty six, and this is something. Uh, that a lot of folks don't realize. They think that the rules changed completely, and the rules did change um, somewhat. Uh, that al- allows less maneuverability. But if you have one spouse who's taking Social Security, um, then the other spouse can also draw Social Security on your spouse's Social Security um, uh, account. Hmm. Uh, so how does that work? So my wife draws Social Security now, and I'm 66. Now, if I took Social Security prior to 66, whether I do it on my wife's account or on my own account, I will have a lifetime penalty that I can never get rid of. And the same thing is true for my spouse. But she's full retirement age, so she is going to start drawing. Now, because she is drawing, I can defer my own account and draw half of hers, because, at full, and, and I'm 66 now too, or will be in three days. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, in essence, um, I can uh, actually leverage her account to draw on mine until I'm 70. And then when I turn 70, I can draw, I can change from half of hers and get all of mine. So, and the other thing I would tell you is the fact that I can get half of my spouse's Social Security is not figured in to that 82 age where it takes me four years to make up the difference. You know, right? F- uh, you know, if I factored in taking half of my wife's Social Security during these four years, that age would be much younger. Right. So it, you know, I think that's really important for folks to understand those dynamics and know their Social Security elections and what can favor them. But the bottom line is unless you're sick and know, or you know that your life expectancy is younger than normal statistical ages, 
But here's another thing that sort of blew my mind, and this is a new statistic for me, and this came out of the very same article. And and there are a lot of folks who will understand this as it relates to statistics anyway, and and it makes sense. But did you know that well-to-do people tend to live longer than folks who are starving? That or tend, have... <laughs> tends to make sense. Well, I, I mean, you know, if you can't afford to go to the doctor, if you can't afford medication, if you can't afford to have a good diet and eat well, and, th- you know, obviously those folks who have a little bit of money are in far better shape. You know, they can go to the doctor, they can afford to go to a gym, they right. can afford to, uh, you know, now that's not, that's only statistics, folks, so it's not uh, true for everybody. There are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of folks who have very little money that live extremely well, mm-hmm. and they're very healthy, and there's no nothing more important than good health. But those folks who are well-to-do have a leg up on others. That's There's just no, no question about that. Well, here's the thing. For a – this is a new statistic for me. For a 50-year-old, uh, for people who are in the top two-fifths of the income range, so okay. that would be middle class, upper middle class, mm-hmm. or rich. <laughs> right. Um, the life expectancy for men who have lived to be 50 years old is 89. And wow. for women, it's 92. Wow. So, I mean, that's a few years beyond because I had seen statistics that basically said if you're in good health at 65, then for men, the the um, statistical age is 88. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for women, it's, you know, like closer to 90. But, you know, that those – but the bottom line is we're living longer. Right. And, um, you know, I've mentioned this, and it still blows my mind to think that children born now – who are born to parents where both parents are come from a good gene pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In other words, statistically, their parents and grandparents have had very long lives, you know, in the neighborhood of 100. Those kids born today are expected to live statistically to age 120. Wow. And that blows everybody's mind. <laughs> I mean, I can't Im- imagine that, and I just pray that the folks that live that long will be healthy and have and have their minds and uh you know, in other words, not to have dementia of mm-hmm. any kind and uh and be physically in in decent shape. But it's uh, what here's the thing that's where I factor that in. If those folks who are really from the good gene pool and I know I'm not one of those, uh, so my kids are, are not going to be one of those, and my grandchildren aren't going to be one of those. But the bottom line is if the, those folks who live that kind of life is 120, then that means that they're going to be an awful – there's going to be a high percentage of folks that live to be 100 or mm-hmm. 110. Right. And, and when you think about retirement at 70 – then you better have a financial plan in place to be able to uh, have income that will last you for 30 years or more. That, that 
blows your mind as well. And so that's one of the reasons why my one of my biggest long-term concerns is for our children born today. And even my, my children's generation will have significant difficulties in retirement. Um, you, you know, for the most part, my, my children's generation is the first generation in many, 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 many generations where the children are not better off than their parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds, um, in other words, for my children, if they don't live a lower standard of living, they won't have enough money to retire on. Right. And I, that's true statistically. Obviously, there are lots of exceptions to that rule across the board. But it's scary when you think about having to save enough money to live on, recognizing that Social Security is not going to be paying enough money uh, for folks to live on in the future. In other words, it was never designed as a 100% live on this the rest of your life type of fund. But in the future, it will even be less of a percentage of what people need uh, on a daily or monthly basis. And that's that's really scary. It is. Uh, you factor in all those changing population dynamics and uh, the amount of money that's left in Social Security. Um, something's got to change exactly. here or there, but mm-hmm. uh, that, there's no surprise in that. Uh-huh. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong. Good Saturday morning to you. And uh, Bill, we are uh, we just wrapped up our conversation on uh, concerns over Social Security, and we're going to uh, just pivot a little bit and uh, focus on a, another kind of scary situation. And uh, this is another article that you read, so let's go there. Well, I did. A couple weeks ago in the Raleigh News and Observer, uh, I always enjoy on Sunday pulling out the work and money section, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately the paper's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but there's still a good work and money section that I enjoy uh, reading on Sundays. And um, a couple weeks ago, there was an article which, again, uh, emphasizes things that I talk about all the time. And it was an article on the first page that said, buyer beware, long-term care costs are surging. Uh, and it was a national article. It was written by Tom Murphy of the Associated Press uh, and published uh, October 1st. But the bottom line is, again, it's exactly what I've been saying, is that long-term care, the costs of long-term care are far more than anybody can afford. It's, and it's just shocking to the system when it happens to you. And it happens to most families. That's the thing that really, uh, I mean, the percentage, the risk is stacked against us Mm -hmm. because somewhere between 50 and 70 percent of families have a long-term care crisis and long-term care is not covered by Medicare. It's not covered by your health insurance. It basically is an out-of-pocket expense, um, and, and uh, it there is no coverage under uh, what we may have or not have with the Affordable Care Act. So, I mean, in other words, there's just nothing there. 
So it's, it's either for some families, if they have long-term care insurance, they have a real blessing. If they don't have long-term care insurance, they're looking at privately paying unless they can somehow get government assistance. And of course, as you know, that's something that we help folks with all the time and focus on. But what are the costs? And the bottom line is, is that a private nursing home room uh, for a yearly cost uh, soon tops $100,000 wow. on average. Now, this is across the country, right? but that's a, actually pretty close to what it would be in this area. It might be a little high, but not much. And we will, I mean, when I say soon, even in this area, it'll top $100,000 for a private nursing home room. You know, and... Uh, most nursing home rooms are actually semi-private, mm-hmm. but even in this area right now, most, because it varies from one nursing home to the next, but it runs about um, $7,200, $7,300 a month for a semi-private nursing home bed, and that's a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> a ton of money. Well, how many people have that much money in retirement yeah. per month? Mm-hmm. Very, very few. I mean, those who do don't have to worry about those kind of costs, but right. uh, uh, most of us have to worry a lot about those kind of costs. Um, so how about, you know, everybody wants to stay at home, so what's the cost there? Truthfully, it can be just as high or higher than um, than nursing home costs because typically you're talking for a regular uh, certified nursing assistant CNA about twenty dollars or more, but about twenty dollars per hour, and so it's like, okay, how many hours do you need right. per day, every day, and um, and uh, obviously most families try to do what they can. You know, the spouses work themselves to death, and the children work themselves to death, or at least one child does. <laughs> those, those kind of things. But the but the bottom line is that um, it costs a lot of money. And in in my uh, what I try to tell folks as it relates to what's it like in terms of the crisis, for most families, it's like your home burns down with everything in it with no insurance coverage, and that's what a long term care crisis is. So. It's really important for folks to get informed. Uh, it's really important if they can afford it and they do it timely to get some kind of long-term care insurance in place, un- unless they're, they they have so much money or so much income that they don't really need to worry about those kind of costs. And there are folks like that out there, but that you know, 99.9% of us have um, have to worry about these costs. Now, is there a particular reason why the costs just continue to escalate? Is it the chain shift in population? Is it just no? The age actually, population? I think there it's there are more and more nursing homes mm-hmm. being built. There's more and more assisted living homes being built. There's uh, particularly in areas like Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Uh, there are uh, a number of home care agencies out there. Um, so it's not a matter of competition, but the comp- but healthcare costs tend to rise faster 
than inflation, right. a good bit faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, typically 5 to 6% a year is what we see. And, and basically, if you look at, it, at, at the medical inflation at 5% a year, and some medical inflation in some, some areas is even higher than that, that's really scary. And that's one reason that health insurance costs keep going up regardless of what anything Congress does to put anything in place. But um, if you think just the 5% rule, uh, that means that cost will double every 20 years. Yeah. You know, so that sort of scary. That's uh, that's very <laughs> scary. Uh, indeed, you're scaring me a lot today, Bill. But uh, Well, and that's one reason why our seminars are so popular mm-hmm. is because we talk about, okay, you don't have long-term care insurance. What is out there? Who can be eligible for it? When can you be eligible for it? What kind of things do you need to put in place legally so that your family is in the best possible situation that you can at least be in? Uh, when the time comes, and and then you pray that it never happens to you. <laughs> yeah, that that is the ultimate blessing, is if it doesn't come for you. Exactly. Right. A quick break, and back we will get into some tips for making financial decisions in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and he is Bill Alexander. He's the one with all the great advice. And speaking of great advice, Bill, you've got some tips for making financial decisions. Uh, well, I this do. Is great. But I, I don't want to go there yet. Okay. And, I, and I'm sorry I throw we'll, you a curve we'll occasionally, Jason. But uh, here's I, I want to tell folks about a very important um, story, if you will. Uh, and it's absolutely true. I, I, um, as you know, I, I have a significant focus in my law practice uh, on asset protection. Yes. It is extremely important. And I will just I will tell folks the, the um, theme of this story to begin with is the foundation of any asset protection plan is liability insurance. It's not a trust. It's not a limited liability company, although those are helpful and and make a big difference. But in terms of protecting your... Now, you can use a trust and LLCs to protect uh, property for yourself and your spouse and children, uh, and we do that all the time. But in terms of protecting yourself and, by extension, your family from bad things, your liability insurance is your foundation block. And so for the for most folks, they should have not only far more than minimum coverage for your automobile, which is the most dangerous thing, and your homeowner's insurance. And uh, you should always put an umbrella package on top of that for at least a million dollars. And because umbrella insurance is very inexpensive, uh, and truthfully, the majority of folks should have $2 million of umbrella coverage. And that gives you, um, for you know, because you realize that there are folks out there who are uninsured, and there are also a lot of folks out there who are underinsured. In other words, folks who have minimum coverage because it's required by law. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in your automobile to have minimum coverage. Well, if that person injures you and they have minimum coverage and you have a lot of injuries and and, uh, big hospital bills and all that stuff, they don't have enough insurance to cover you. And if you have more insurance than they do, then your insurance policy will cover you. That's called the under-insurance provision Mm -hmm. so that your own policy can protect you from other people's negligence. And so it's really one of the most important things to have. Uh, There's another piece to insurance, too, on your automobile, and that is it's very inexpensive, but the some of the best insurance inside your automobile policy is called medical payments or shortened. It's called med pay. And uh, you can get up to $25,000 coverage and everyone should actually max out their med pay. And I'll, I don't want to get on top of that, but it's just something that's really important. And it's also a piece of that policy that goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know it's there and most people don't know what it's for. But it's really, really important for folks to have it because it pays uh, whatever your medical expenses are up to the maximum, regardless of fault, regardless of whether you have medical insurance, and regardless of whether s- someone else's policy pays you for the same thing. So, you know, how many people go to the hospital and don't, you know, ring up a bill, even if your insurance pays for it, that's, you know, anything less than $25,000 if, if you stay in the hospital for more than a day or two your bill's going to be pretty darn high. So that medical payments provision is huge Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to that. But why am I talking about liability insurance? Well, I just had a client who called me up and he said, can you help? And I said, maybe. There may be a few (laughs) things that you can do, but what's the story? Well, first of all, we did planning for him a couple years ago. His wife was very sick. In fact, she still is. And so what we did was we moved all of their joint – this was a long-term marriage. We moved all of their joint property to his name alone. We created what's called a testamentary trust in his last will and testament, which would protect her in the event of his death if he predeceased her. And, of course, it also protected him from any kind of estate recovery or liability because of his wife's care needs. And it also would help her get some government assistance for care needs later on as well, or potentially. So, in other words, it was a good plan. Well, the bottom line is last year, um, when his automobile insurance rolled around, um, on his own, without our advice for sure, Uh, he decided that he couldn't afford that insurance anymore. So he went with a minimum policy, okay? So um, he did not have umbrella coverage, which is really important. And guess what? Well, I'll ask you this. As as you get older, do you see as well? No, generally not. Do you hear as well? No, you don't. Well, particularly for those of us who served in the military, none of us hear as well as we should. Uh, because we all have hearing loss. That's just part of military service. And there are a lot of other jobs where that happens occurs. Um, 
the bottom line is is that he was in an automobile accident, and guess who was at fault? He was. He was. And unfortunately, the good news is he was not injured. The bad news is that the folks, uh, the other other person was seriously injured and has been in the hospital almost a month at this point. Wow. Very serious injuries. Well, guess what? He's worried about now. Asset protection. Sure. A little late, or if not a lot late. You know, it's extremely difficult to protect your assets after the fact. I'm not going to say it's impossible or you can't protect some things, but the bottom line is is that your liability coverage under your po- under an insurance policy is by far your most important protection. And he's in trouble right now because uh, you know um, he was responsible for a person's injuries. He knows it, and and he made the decision to reduce his insurance coverage. Worst mistake he ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's so much like life. You never, you know, in, until something bad happens, you you don't realize how important certain things are. Um, you know, he should never have have reduced his liability protection. And if he had asked us, I would have said, you need to increase it. (laughs) I mean, truthfully, if you think about it, uh, as you get older, it's more, I mean, there are two groups, uh, (laughs) in my opinion, that are at great risk in your automobile. One are very young drivers Mm because they're inexperienced uh, and they're stupid. Uh, But... (laughs) Uh, also, even though older drivers tend to be more conservative in their driving, not not always. I mean, um, uh, my wife has a lead foot, I think, but at, at the at the at most of us are more conservative drivers. But um, guess what? You know, most of us don't see as well. We don't hear as well. Our reaction times are a little slower. Our bodies don't move quite as fast as they used to, so our reaction times are slower. Um, All of that's bad when it comes to the potential for um, automobile accidents, whether, you know, whether we're at fault or not. Um, But the bottom line is the insurance is really important. It really is. And that's uh, that's an important lesson that, you know, just saving a, a few bucks uh, here and there uh, every month, you know, could end up costing you big time in the long term if you don't have the right insurance in place. Right. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Al- Alexander. And Bill, I. I had a false start last segment. I said that we were going to talk about some tips for making financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, now is the time, now right? We, now, okay. is the time. now we can okay. go into that. Here okay. We go. And, and actually, it's, it's tips that work for a lot of different things other than financial decisions. It basically, I think they're tips for making lots and lots of decisions. Um, but uh, I'll start off with uh, an article. Uh, out of working money again. Now, this one was just last week's working money, um, but it's under the section on the front page of doing better, and it was about innovation, 
But it was like, it started off with this quote, which I think is so important. And it says, if you don't know where you are going, it's hard to get there. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, and that's so true. And it's even tougher to get there if you have to change direction. You know, it, and that's so true as well because it's really hard for us to do things differently. It's hard for us to change direction. But, I mean, that's just part of human nature. We're creatures of habit. We continue to do the things that we've always done the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we expect a different result, and that's just way stupid because if you keep doing the way the things you're doing the way you've always done them, you're going to get the same results. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And it basically says the inertia of the status quo is really hard to break, so true. Uh, And hence, here it is, the value of strategic planning. (laughs) Well, guess what estate planning is? It's strategic planning. Uh, And so uh, I think all of that uh, is really important. But one of the difficulties that makes it really hard for us to change directions or make decisions or make any kind of decision um, is just information overload. Mm -hmm. There is so much noise in terms of what we see. And, of course, smartphones now make it even worse because, you you know, as you um, see things. People have a smartphone in front of them, it seems like, all day long, uh, and uh, they don't even communicate well with other people anymore. It's sort of like, <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen people text back and forth when they're in the same room and across the same table, and they're texting each other, and mm-hmm. it's sort of like, you know, golly day, what is the world coming to? <laughs> and I must admit that I hate seeing People pull out their cell phones when they're at a uh, dinner table. Oh, very rude. Um, But you see it all the time. Now, if somebody's alone, they're eating alone, that I understand and I can appreciate and do it myself. But when there's somebody else across the table from them or around a table, it's just awful to see that. And you see it all the time. But anyway, okay, so information overload. Well, first of all, it's sort of like – if you have too much information, it it leads to what's called decision paralysis. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can't make a decision because you got too much information going. So, um, and and uh, well, a lot of it we understand how to filter out. You know, the probably the the biggest commercials you see all the time are automobile commercials. But you know what? We we ignore those except for one time. If we're in the market for a car, uh-huh. then we start paying attention. But otherwise, we just filter it out. But it's hard to do that with financial information because you don't know what's important and what's not important. So uh, the bottom line is is that you got to figure out how to get past the information overload. So the first thing is sort of like estate planning. It's a financial plan, and you, so you have to create a plan that works for you and stick with it. Now, when's the time when people need to think about changing their plans, financial plans, and often other plans as well? And so this information actually works in a lot of different areas. 
well, when you're getting ready or close to retirement mm-hmm. or right after you've retired or in, in those few years right in there when you're going from one phase of your life into another phase of your life. Well, with finances, it makes a huge difference because you want to reduce your risk uh, and the like. And, and that's really important for folks when they be- get onto a limited income stream. In other words, it's not going to change because you can't go back to work. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. So having a plan and having the gumption to stick to that plan by identifying your goals and then using those goals to make your decisions. Don't rely much on technology. You know, that can be a real mistake. Um, uh, in other words, you don't want to give greater weight to that last email or that, you know, Facebook posting or whatever it is. Um, you know, you rely on more long-term uh, information. I think it's it's important. One of the most important things is to categorize the information that you receive so that you're comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges and not mixing them up. Now, in the financial arena, that might mean if you're looking at different kinds of mutual funds, you don't want to be comparing a growth fund to an income fund to a bond fund because mm-hmm. they're totally different things. So in essence, you want to, if you're trying to find the best growth fund, then compare it to other growth funds. If you're trying to buy the best income fund, you compare it to income funds and bond funds, the same thing. And then don't be pushed into making a quick decision basically digest the information and then make make a decision based on that tuning out the noise which we're not too bad at doing but it can be difficult and then talk to people you trust and if you can do that um, you can make wise decisions whether it's in the financial arena or you know just in life decisions it's all works the same way and it's really important yeah I think you're right I think that kind of goes beyond the uh, the financial world certainly helps but those are some good tips overall for making I guess any kind of decision but certainly a financial decision a quick break and back you're listening to asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on news radio 680 WPTF you're listening to asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander and Bill we're just about out of time, but we have enough time to remind everyone that Money Secrets is tomorrow morning at 8.30 on the CW22 and every Sunday morning Thank as you. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people can catch more Bill if they want want that on, on TV, on the real live TV. How about that? Or they can record it. That's right. <laughs> or you can send it to DVR and watch it later, but some good tips there. And uh, uh, Bill, uh, I thought we had a, a great show. We kind of ran the gamut of, uh, of tips and we scared people a little bit, but other than that, we're, I thought we a jam-packed well, show. I appreciate it, Jason. I always enjoy this. WGALaw.com is the website if you need to find more information about anything that we discussed today or if you need some advice from Bill. It's WGALaw.com. We are out of time. We will catch you again next Saturday at 11. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.